Well, good morning. Uh, welcome this morning, and and good for you to be in the house of good news. Um, amen. Yeah, we've had a lot of news in the last couple of weeks, um, but it's good to be here and uh, to talk about some good news, right? Um, even if we're talking about money. <laughs> you guys don't believe me, eh? Okay, all right. We are, we are talking about money. We're, we're in the third part of our series on recalculating, as Matt so eloquently reminded us uh, during announcement time. But, it, you know, it is, it is good news. Hopefully what we've been talking about has, has kind of encouraged you, inspired you in this whole topic about money. And, um, you know, I, I've been kind of interested, too, as, as I'm reading the news, there's, there's a number of articles that just came out this week. There was one article that talked, uh, that was written by a 30-year credit counselor who specialized in, in new couples and, and early uh, people who had been married uh, very early, starting relationships. And what she said in all her experience and in all her years of, of counseling people, couples, that couples... Canadian couples are far more eager to talk about sex than they are to talk about money. Money is the one thing they will not talk about. She actually has to force them to talk about. I thought that was really, really funny. Another article out of Huffington Post just this week said the, the, the amount of student debt on students nowadays inhibits consumption and future borrowing. And they, they say that because of the debt load that students are coming out of school with, they are not going to be able to contribute to the economy. So the downturn in the economy is going to last longer because of the massive debt load that these students have coming out. Okay? How many of you have noticed that we no longer have monthly car payments? They are bi-weekly or bi-monthly, Right? Like, who, like, wow. I saw some prices on some cars. I said, is that ever a good deal? And then I said, what? That's every other week. That's not monthly anymore. And in fact, car loans are starting now to migrate into eight years, nine years, just because cars are becoming so expensive. So what we're talking about here today is really relevant. It's really important. And if you were here back at the very first um, uh, very first sermon series, we, we said right up front that, that money is a spiritual thing. It's very, very important. Jesus was really clear that when it comes to money, it, it, it is the best indicator, the best thermometer when it comes to your spiritual life. Uh, and often we, 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 you know, often the church has gotten a, a, a very bad image when it comes to money. Because it always, you know, it's really hard to, to speak about money. Because it, it, it can come across as, this is what we want from you. So, we're hoping that the series is, is showing that what God wants for you, not what we want from you. Okay? Because this is really important. And, and it's so important, it's going to impact your spiritual life. It's going to impact your walk with God. Now, we, we, we talked last week, we started in this thing called debt, you know, the big D word, and every one of us at some point in our lives have leveraged debt to one point or another. Um, we're leveraging debt right now, or we're doing something with debt right now. Um, you know, every one of us, and in fact, to talk about debt being a bad thing for many of us, we just can't wrestle with that. 
right? Because we're all leveraging debt in one way or another. And we said last week, uh, most of us wouldn't be educated if it wasn't the debt that we were willing to take on, right? Oh, was I the only one that took a student loan? I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you know that's, a, that's a hard one, right? You can, it's even hard to get educated nowadays without taking out a loan, without taking out debt. And, and, and that's, that's the kind of world that we live in. That's the kind of culture that we live in. It, it's such, a, such an ingrained part uh, of what it is. Um, and we said last week that, that debt is the fastest way to bump up your, your standard of living. Isn't it, right? There's two ways to, to bump up your standard of living and, and, and to become wealthy. It's either you save and invest over time. That's the, the long, tedious way. Um, the, the fastest way to bump up your standard of living is through debt, right? That's the fastest way to... And, 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 and the appeal is there, and it's very easy to get caught up. And many of us get caught up in the cycle of debt and, and money, and before we know it, we're in trouble, right? And, and many of us, and statistically it's proven, that even Canadians, you know, we, we used to look at the Americans and say, ah, they're bad in that area, and Canadians are really good in that area. But the reality is, is Canadians are falling for it just as easily as the Americans are, right? As they, you know, everybody looks at Jared. Isn't that awful, Jared? I'm sorry, man. Um, but Canadians are just as guilty of it as, 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 as the rest of North America, right? So it's a, it's a big, big, big problem. Here's, a, here's, here's another thing that's happening in our culture. You may not be aware of it. You, in fact, it might be something that you're so used to um, that you don't even think about it either. And, and I'm, I'm barely old enough to remember um, what it was like before. And I lived through this kind of transition. And the transition is um, we've got this natural culture of debt. But the other thing we have is this culture of right now. Got to have it right now. This idea of waiting, this idea of patiently um, saving up, it, it, it sounds crazy. Um, for some reason, we have imagined that our lives are so short that we can't wait for anything. Right. Um, I remember. I remember. I think it was just a few years ago, and, and maybe some of you who are more involved in computers um, can remind me of this. But there was actually a, a, a movement a number of years ago to remove www off the front of all um, internet addresses because, and the reason I read was because www took too long. Like, who's got the time to type in W, you know? And, and that was the rationale that was, I, I thought that was really a great cultural statement of how bad we had gotten to this WWW. And I, I remember, you know, um, um, I'm, I'm, I was really young when this was going on, but I remember when you would buy a house and have nothing in the house. You just bought the house. Right, and then you'd save up for a bed, and you'd save up for a, uh, a you know, a, the mattress afterward, and then save up for a kitchen table, and save up for you know, and and, and all that stuff. That 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 doesn't. Everything's instant nowadays. Um, I don't know how many weddings I've done where, where the couple is, oh, I, no, I can't get it. Now. But they're building their house. They have two car, You know, everything's instant right away. They can't can't wait for anything. I remember when I was in college, I had a mattress and a stereo, right? That's all I had. It was a mattress and a stereo. Because you're in college, you had to have the stereo, 
you know, and you know, the hi-fi system. That was the first loan I ever took out. I couldn't care about anything else. I just had to have this, had to have this sound system. And I, and I was progressive at the time. And, and now it's like everybody's got everything at once. So um, this, this culture of now is a really important thing. It's very, very important. And, and many of us get drawn into having this thing now. Okay? And there's a couple of passages that, that I'm, I, am, I am justifying this uh, scripturally, okay? Um, but listen to these two proverbs. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Okay? Great proverb. Um, hard work grows over time, and money grows over time. The second proverb is this. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. All right? Um, the, the Bible, you know, what, is it one of the spiritual virtues is to be patient. Um, and, and patience is not something that we develop very well in our culture. I think every one of us, in all honesty, struggle with patience one time or another. But we live in such a culture that, 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 that says you can have everything now. Okay? That is very difficult for us to say no. Here, here are, um, based on these two passages, what a culture of now, what it particularly attacks. Number one, it, it, it targets our discontent. It targets our discontent. And this is, this is something that's very important. The word contentment is virtually lost in our culture today. I dare you to listen to any advertisement, any ad, and see if they ever use the word content. To be content with something. Contentment is not a, a, a cultural uh, uh, thing that they want to advocate. Here's why. To be content makes you a lousy consumer. To be content makes you a lousy consumer. And to be a lousy consumer is not a good thing in today's culture. So, you know, everything um, that we want to do is foster a sense of discontentment in people's lives. Uh, it's a natural thing. If you're an advertiser, you're going to prompt people's sense of discontent. And it's easy to become discontent in our culture. Very, very easy. Listen, there's two things. Oh, oh by, by the way, um, at the end of this series, we're going to give you a whole bunch of resources. None of this stuff is, is, is um, necessarily original with me. There's a whole bunch of resources that we're getting this from. So um, I'm, I'm backing this up in, in many ways, not only scripturally, but a lot of other people who deal with this all the time. But there's two things that happen in, in our lives. Um, when, when, when discontent and awareness um, merge together, that's when trouble happens. How many of you have ever experienced, I actually really liked my house until I saw that one. I really liked my car until I saw yours. I really, you know, you know what I mean? I really liked that guitar. I really liked, you know, it, it goes on and on. We have this sense of content, of discontent. And, and, and this is what happens in our culture. It gets, it, it's something that gets targeted. Um, the sense of discontent. 
This relationship between discontentment and awareness. And a lot of times we're okay until we become aware of what we don't have. And isn't that what gets fed in our culture all the time? This is what you need. This, you know, if you're not wearing this, if you're not driving this, if you're not living there, if you're not all, all of that stuff. And it just feeds into our discontent all the time. Now, here's, here's where it gets really interesting. read a study just recently that when we compare ourselves to one another, okay, when it comes to morality, when it comes to um, you know, our, our moral values, we love to compare ourselves to people who are low, what we consider lower. You know, we say, well, I didn't murder anyone. You ever heard that? I'm not a killer. Okay. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I'm not a drug dealer. All right? This is what we do when we compare ourselves on a moral level. When it comes to money, though, we compare ourselves to people above us. And when we compare ourselves in this upward financial way, It does two things to us. It's demonstrated that what it does is it fosters in us a greater sense of greed because we want what we become so discontent because of what we see them having that it fosters in us a sense of greed. What it does, too, opposite, is it takes away our sense of compassion for others. And remember last week how how we talked about the cycle of greed? And how it's fostered by fear. And we have this culture of fear. And and it's fostered by this fear. And it makes even the common person become greedy. Because fear is what undergirds greed, ultimately. And And this is what happens. That when we compare ourselves financially to somebody else, we always upscale it. And it breeds in us this sense of greed. And it takes away our sense of compassion for others. And again, you remember in the last couple of messages, God put in place, even in the nation of Israel, this opportunity where every seven years, every seven years, the debts would get canceled. And to do that was God intentionally building into the nation of Israel this this opportunity to say, stop. It's not about the money. It's about the people. It's not about the money. It's about the people. I hate to say it. We live in a culture where decisions about people are generated more because of the money than it is about the people. And we've all in some way or another have been victimized by the fact that there is a dollar figure attached to us as a human being. God never, ever intended that in our culture. And that's, that's the cycle of greed that happens, right? Um, again, anyway, you guys, you guys go buy gas pumps all the time, so you know, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Second, second thing it targets is our lack of self-control, right? It, you, you know, the, the, the way our culture of now prompts us, it, you know, all the messaging is that, is that you know whatever lack of self control we have in certain areas it targets us in those particular 
those particular things. Um, how many of you have the problem of not being able to say no? No to anything. Even, <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you. Listen, listen I've, been a, I've been a parent. And when the boys used to come to me and say, Dad, can I? Yeah, at any cost, buddy. <laughs> right? You know, you've been there. You've been there. Um, yeah, I... I've already, I've already asked my wife, Darlene, to, to put restrictions on me. If I have a granddaughter, it's going to be trouble. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, you know, just so get that. Just so, you know, here's the restraining. This is, you know, take my keys, take my wallet. You know, if I'm going to see my granddaughter, uh, you, know, you know what I mean? It's going to be one of, those, one of those deals, right? Absolutely. But it targets our self-control. It's very hard to say no. See, no is not an option in our culture. Because everyone is saying yes to us. Everyone is saying yes to us. Um, I heard, I heard uh, uh, Andy Stanley some, some time ago, who's, who's a preacher in, in Atlanta, um, talk about appetites. Okay, Maybe you heard us talk about appetites a little bit. But, but appetites are something that we all have. God-given. But the thing with appetites is that they're never satisfied. They're only satisfied in a temporary way. But appetites continue, continue, continue to prompt us to want more. They're never satisfied. You know, you're, they're never fulfilled or anything like that. And he made an interesting point that when it comes to appetites, if you've ever fasted for a long period of time, like if you've ever done it, what, what happens when you fast a long period of time? Food doesn't become that important anymore. And in fact, the only reason you feed yourself is just to sustain yourself. That the reality is, when it comes to an appetite, it's best to starve an appetite, not feed it. But we live in a culture that continually wants to feed our appetite, feed our appetite, feed our appetite. And we never get satisfied. We never get enough ever get enough because we have these natural appetites and we're not very good at controlling them because everything in our culture says it's okay you can have it now but what 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 the culture continually does to us is forces us to reach into our future pull into the present and 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 lose the future because of everything that we can have now and that's what happens you know, um, we got a little taste of it um, a, few year, a couple of years ago, I think it was. Um, for a few days straight, we got in the mail all these credit cards. Now, I was actually going to go to the free press about this story, and I'll tell you in a minute why. Um, we got all these credit cards all of a sudden. They were all addressed to me, um, but when I opened up all the envelopes, um, they had somebody else's name on the credit card. And I got eight different credit cards with somebody else's name, but they were all addressed to me. And I'm talking pins, everything. Like, I'm talking the deal. Darlie and I started going through the catalogs, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like how far can we go? You know? No, 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 honestly, but you know. I was really surprised that even happened, because I, you know, I'm thinking in our world, our protective world, how can that even happen? I called the company 
I was totally expecting they would show up in an armored car. You know, the officers would come in, take them. I'd have to sign them all off and everything. They'd say, yeah, just get rid of them, will you? And I went, what? And then I started wondering, I wonder how much I could sell these on the corner for, you know? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, <laughs> that was just a bunny trail. Sorry, but you, you know what I mean? But, like, couldn't believe it. But, the, but that's, that's how ingrained it all is. In our, in our culture, absolutely ingrained. Um, you know, we're told all the time that we live in one of the richest countries in the world, right? And um, you know, if you make fifty thousand or more a year, you're considered in the top one percent of the world. Um, boy, that's 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 a tough statistic. In fact, one of, one of the resources we'll give you, um, there's a website in the UK that if you, you go to it, um, country you live in, et cetera, et cetera, and you type in uh, a couple of details, salary and everything, and it'll tell you what number you are, individual, in the world in terms of wealth. Right? That, it's, it's a really, there's a couple of other cool websites um, you know, you, you, there's another one that'll, you'll do that, and it'll tell you what you can buy in this country versus what you could buy in that country, and what you, you know, the comparison is very, very, very powerful stuff. You know, um, and, and we're we're told all the time that we are in a very wealthy country. But here's the thing for most of us, and I, and I want I want you I want you to track with me on this. We can we can look rich. We can act rich. We can actually be rich when we get the statistics of who we are in comparison to the rest of the world. But the reality is most of us, most of us don't feel rich. And we don't feel rich because of this one thing called margin. That to feel rich for most of us, we feel rich when we have Margin in our lives. Margin with our finances. We know that it doesn't matter how much you make, but if all of it is going out, you don't feel rich. Everybody can tell you as as much as they want where you line up statistically to the rest of the people in the world. But if you have no margin in your life, it doesn't make any difference. You're not going to feel rich. You're just going to feel like you're on the treadmill all the time. You know that feeling when you have enough margin and, and this one opportunity comes up and you get to enjoy it because you've got that margin. But most of us don't feel rich because there's no margin in our lives. And margin is what, for most of us, makes us feel rich. Even though, even though we're told all the time how wealthy we are. And that's where debt becomes really dangerous. Because debt often is what steals our margin. And you know, we said, we, said, we said last week how debt is the enemy of margin. 
many of us would love to give generously. That it's not the wish or desire to give generously. It's actually our ability that's limited because we don't live with margin. And many of the resources that we're, you know, we're talking about getting into your hands is to help you at least with margin. So you can live in a way that would honor God with your generosity. Now that's a, that's a big deal. Um, because, uh, again, uh, that's why I think this particular point is so powerful. Because we're told all the time how much we have. But it's hard to resonate with it because we know how we feel in our lives about it. Okay? So, um, remember we talked about money being a spiritual decision? I want to give you a passage right here. Look how the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 9 treats financial issues in a spiritual way. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And that's, that's, that's a powerful way that the Apostle Paul uses the concept of money, the concept of riches, the concepts of fi- financial, and apply it in a spiritual way and shows the parallel and shows how they're similar and shows how we can, uh, how, how having spiritual vitality is the same as having financial integrity, which is very, very, very important, Okay? Um, so, um, you, you guys give me five more minutes. You guys okay with that? All right. Um, let, me, let, me, let me close out. We, you know, we talked about generosity. We, we've sort of given you a, a number of principles. We've got two more, two more messages to go. Um, but here is the path to generosity. And, and we're going we're gonna to give you this, this kind of three-step uh, path to generosity. How, how it works in our lives. Um, and, and, my, and this is not, by the way, this is not discounting that God has gifted some of you just to be generous. That that's a spiritual gift that some people have. That they're able, and again, I, I, I've, I've, I've had friends who have lived on 10% of the money they brought in. Okay? I don't know how they did it. Had a home, um, you know, boat, cars. Lived on 10% and 90% they gave away. Like, I've seen that. Um, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Um, so um, God, God wants us to be generous. God needs us to be generous. Um, but here is, uh, this comes from Brian Dodd and, and Giving Rocket. Um, so it's not original with me, but I thought it was really, really good. First thing is stability. A sense of stability. For many people, um, until you feel secure... Until you feel stable, you don't feel like you can give. Okay? There's all these responsibilities that are happening in your life. And you don't feel like giving is this thing over here that it's like, I'll never, you know, until I'm comfortable, until I'm stable where I am, I can't give here. You know, and you hear things like 10% and you go, what? 
It, that, that's, that's crazy. Because without margin, any percent is going to sound ridiculous. So the sense of stability, unless we have that sense of stability and security, it is hard to ever get to that point of generosity, right? And debt becomes the enemy of security. Because remember we talked about last week that that the Bible says that if you're going to get into debt, you better beware because it could enslave you. You could become a slave to that debt. Okay? So it's it's really important. So stability is is a big thing. For people. Security. Um, you know, again, all the years that I've taught at the college and the seminary, I cannot believe how many first-year students say to me, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for all this. I just know God wants me here. And you know what? They do it. They manage. But it's a big Big concern. So this whole idea of stability, but and debt becomes this enemy of security. And here's the thing: something happens when you become a Christian because your security and your stability now rests in God, now rests in Jesus, right? That's why Christians can be more generous. And if you look at all the statistics. People of faith give far more statistically than the rest of culture, okay? Um, Because there's a different source of security, a different sense of stability. And remember we talked about appetites, and remember we talked about money. When money becomes your source of stability, you will never have enough. You will never feel secure. Because it's an appetite you continually feed that you're never going to satisfy. So your sense of stability rarely happens well if it's on money. Okay? Um, So security, stability, the difference between... And this is where where Jesus was talking about. He said, you know, know, uh, you've got to love either God or love money. You can't kind of love both. This is what he's talking about. The next part of it is surrender. Okay, we come to this place of surrender. This is where habits develop. Um, where, where, you know, you start saying, okay, I'll give so much. I surrender this portion up to it. Allow God to work through it. Sometimes, sometimes the surrender comes before stability. I'll, I'll admit that that happens. Sometimes, come a Christian, you surrender your life to Christ. You know, the old joke is most people, when they come to faith, the last thing that, that they give up faithfully is their wallet. Okay? So that's why these two kind of intermingle here a little bit. For most people, that sense of stability then becomes an, an option for surrender. That we say, you know what? God, God demands of me to give. I'm going to surrender that to God. I'm going to surrender a portion. I'm, I'm going to give what I can. Things like that. All right? And the third part of this is sacrifice. You get to this place where you just sacrifice. Um, not everybody gets there. This is the place where God would love us to be. Um, that we are sacrificial givers. That, that is kind of in your journey of, of being a, a follower of Christ. You know, this is, this is the place God would love to take you to. That God would love to bring you. is this place of sacrifice. That you sacrifice your life, but you sacrifice everything. 
Okay, and we're going to look in, in, in a couple of weeks or maybe even next week about the woman who gave in a sacrificial way and the difference it made. You know, I, I can't do a financial series without looking at that story and, and, and be, a, be a part of that, right? This is, this is where we become so totally committed that we give sacrificially, all right? And um, it's a hard place for people because you cannot give sacrificially if you don't feel you have the stability. And until you have that stability, until you have that security in Christ, surrendering and sacrificing will suffer. Okay? Um, I, 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 I read a tweet this week that I thought was really funny. It said that life has no remote. You have to get up and change it yourself. Right? I thought it was so applicable to this. Because when it comes to this, listen... Money is not something I, 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 maybe you can, I can't put it into cruise control. I either ignore it totally because I hate it, or you know to, to, to do it well, you have to manage it all the time. There are some of us that have to say, part of my personal conviction is that I will not go in debt because I know what happens if I do. Right? Darlene and I have always joked, if winter drags on too long, spring finally comes, and I'm so depressed, don't take me by a new car dealership. (laughs) It's not a good place. Right? Because I grew up with a dad. Every two years, he had to have a new car and had to come out of the showroom. Right? And I kind of imparted that, (laughs) he imparted that kind of weakness into my life. Um, So, because you all know in a year's time you get tired of the car and you see something else go by, red, flashy, and oh, yeah, I will. You guys don't, I, I'm so glad you guys don't suffer with any of this. I really am, and I'm just, I'm just up here pouring my life, and you guys have just got it all nailed. That's great. I love it. I love it, you know? Um, so, so I just opt out for ice cream now. <laughs> That's my, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I just opt out for ice cream. But life has no remote. We have to get up and change it ourselves. And when it comes to things like money, when it comes to something so important to your spiritual vitality, God calls us, God calls us to be very diligent in this area. Because a generous people reflect a generous God. And can change the world. Amen. All right. We gave you a recalculating prayer at the very beginning. And uh, before I pray and close this off, um, I just want to recite the prayer. Lord, use me to demonstrate the power of generosity. Make me fearless in trusting you. And mold me daily to live this prayer. I hope you're praying that every week and as we come together. Next week, um, I want to encourage you to come as we continue this series. And hopefully you'll learn more and be encouraged by how we can be generous as God is generous to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this message. 
Lord, I'm, I, I thank you for your grace. I know this is, um, this is a tough subject for many of us. And in the world and in the culture that we live in, we're, it's, it's so easy to get trapped. And Lord, um, I pray this morning that someone will be challenged to become more diligent in their resources, that they will be challenged to, to find a way to minimize or make a plan to resolve debt or to resolve issues of money. Lord, I pray that maybe in some way um, people have seen the scriptures in a fresh new way. That, Lord, you know, we can abuse this to, to make people say you need to give more and you need to do this and you need to do that. Lord, that's not, guilt is not what we're talking about at all through this series. What we want to do is encourage people to be diligent in their resources as faithful followers of you. And even for someone here who may not be a Christian, Lord, these are principles that are valuable for them as well. That, Lord, you long people, you long for people to be so mindful of the resources you have placed in their care that the responsibility they bear for them will give fruit in so many ways that they can't imagine. There are so many people, Lord, burdened by the weight of the resources and the lack of margin and all those things. But Lord, I pray today that they would be encouraged and strengthened by what they have heard this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your generosity in sending Jesus. And we pray that we would honor him today, even through our money. In Jesus' name, amen.